welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on the ministry team, and I'm always honored to get to host with Pastor Christian. Last week, I think uh, it was Alex and uh, Pastor Christian Gracia. It was, yep. So glad to have uh, Senior. PC on, on today. That's right. Uh, not senior citizen, like you mentioned to yeah. Brett, Brett today. Put the varsity back on the show. Yeah, there you Ryan go. And yeah, Christian. I'll Here be we sure go. to tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the second message of this yeah. new series, uh, The Kingdom, and Two Sowers was the name of the yeah. uh, message title, and we're in Matthew 13. Uh, I want to welcome you if you're new to the podcast. I'm glad you found it. We'll hope you uh, enjoy it, and we'll pass it on and share it. Uh, what a great resource that we hope you can help some people. Our hope is to activate people in their yeah. faith. So, Pastor Christian, you and some of the elders just got back from yep. Guatemala, returned from a trip visiting some of our ministry partners there. Can you kind of give an update on what God was doing there? So a phenomenal trip. So we, uh, the ministry we do in Guatemala is called Total Village Transformation. So there's a ministry center in the Zacapa region of Guatemala, which is about four hours east by bus of Guatemala City, where your where your plane lands. And they have designated more than a hundred villages in the mountains, kind of of Guatemala, that uh, are in need of what what we would call basic life, education, clean water, uh, church buildings, sustainable living practices basic medical needs and 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 food yeah. um, and we go in over a three or four year process and commit up to a quarter million dollars to meet all of those needs so this vision trip because of the the two-year gap of covid this vision trip was to village uh, was to visit the village of lecidrus uh, which is where we have been completing a total village transformation we've uh, we've made it possible for every home in the village to have fresh, clean, healthy water. Uh, I think we've done, over the last year, seven food distributions, which a, 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 um, a bag of food will last them a month, so nearly a year um, of food. We've built a church there and a home for the pastor so that he and his family can be in the village and, and be safe. We've built several other homes for village leaders um, we've built onto the school and made it more secure, providing security fencing around it. So we, we went to visit the people of Lysidris to meet with Pastor Danilo, uh, who leads that church, to meet with some village leaders uh, and, and to pass out food, to give every family in the village um, enough food for a month. And then we went to the new village, a village called Peña Blanca, which is actually the other side of Guatemala, overlooking the mountains of Honduras. And me, we met with the pastor there, Pastor Michelle, Rigoberto, Pastor Rigoberto, um, and and we met with some of the school leaders and the leaders of the medical clinic and some of the village leaders, and we also took food and gave a month's worth of food to every family in the village. Um, but we we looked at some land that the village leaders have specked out to purchase. Uh, we looked at the plans they had to build the school there. Right now, they have 170 students in the school and one school teacher. So 170 students, kindergarten, you know, really probably through only eighth or ninth grade. And they have one school teacher who's also the principal. And they don't believe the government who provides teachers at the time will give them any more teachers until they have more classrooms built out. So we're looking at upgrading the bathrooms at the current facility, upgrading the kitchen at the current facility, 
purchasing land and building two new classrooms, which we hope will bring two new teachers and allow the schools to kind of separate a little bit between the very, very young um, and the older kids. Uh, we toured the church, which at this point um, is is really kind of a pavilion. It's a metal roof with with kind of four corners, um, no walls. The pastor has donated part of his coffee farm for the church. So the, the, the church is built like in the middle of his coffee farm. Um, so we're going to provide a, a, a real block church there that he can meet in. And then we're going to provide the pastor and his family a home near the church so that he can always be um, there kind of on, on mission with the people. They have a medical clinic there, which serves several villages up and down the road that lean into that we're going to try to provide some care and some help for. Um, so really just went to look at what we are going to invest in in the next three or four years and to bring hope and, and food to those people. Um, so it was a it was a quick trip. Normally our mission trips are like seven or eight days. Uh, Pastor Scott and I, like you said, some of our team were down there just for five days, uh, flew in Sunday, flew out Friday, but just an incredibly life-giving trip to remember why we do what we do and to remember who we're doing it for. Um, it feels good to take the offering the Sunday after you've been on the mission field and remember what it's going for. It's like, yeah. man, I hope people give today and give well because I know what this money's doing and it makes a it makes a big difference in the world. Yeah, I'm glad you guys got to go. I appreciate the update. Got to go to La Cidras. What a What a great work has been done there. And yes. Will continue to be. Yes. We also honored a group of uh, high school seniors today, yeah. your daughter, my son, among yep. them. Yep. Um, you you kind of shared a little bit, but what advice would you give to these high school seniors for the months and years to come? Yeah, so wherever you're going to school, find spiritual community immediately. Uh, like I would, I would figure out, I would try to figure out what Christian club I was going to be in on campus. I'd try to find face group, Facebook groups of Christians on campus. Um, I'd try to find campus ministries my first week, and I'd try to find a church to go to on Sunday my very first Sunday there. Um, I've heard Craig Rochelle, a pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma City, say many, many times, and I'm sure he got it from somebody else, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you can get on the ground floor with some Christian community early, you'll have not just the four best years of your life, but probably the four greatest years of spiritual transformation. And boy, if you get in the wrong crowd, it can be a really hard four years that can lead to a lifetime of unwinding difficult decisions. Uh, that you make. So for me, it would be uh, don't don't drift, own your faith. It's yours now, not your parents. Uh, in, engage and begin to walk deeply with Jesus on mission. Yeah, what a great student ministry that we have. Holy what cow, great the worship class. today. I don't know how many the, there were. Michelle's yeah. Austin was up there on the drums. I mean, what a... The kids leading worship. I'm telling you, that, that worship team could lead worship at any church in our city, like yeah. as the main band. They yeah. were incredible. They were awesome. Yeah. At the start of the message, getting into kind of the nuts and bolts of your message, uh, you established this parable key, and that was so helpful. Yeah. And I think people appreciated that. helps us unpack this parable of Jesus. You talked about kingdom people and that they have a, a worldview that believes in all of those. Mm -hmm. So the question is, why is it important to know and understand these as part of our biblical worldview? Because I think it explains what we see. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. But we do see. I think faith gives explanation, God explanation, spiritual explanation to what our, to what our eyes are seeing. 
And I think what, what we have, so we list those seven things, right? And we said two, three, four, six, everyone believes. They see those without understanding those. And if you can't understand those, you can't have hope in the midst of those. And I think what one, five, and seven give you, right? Two, three, four, six. One is Jesus. Um, seven, angels, the supernatural. I'm not sure what five, you know, the, the devil. Um, I think understanding that Jesus has come to bring life and hope and that one day he's going to judge all of evil helps us see what the devil is doing and think, not forever, like not forever. Yeah. Helps us see what Jesus has done and say forever, one day, but forever when finally that day gets here. I just think it, pro- it provides tremendous explanation. And for us, I think it's such an incredible apologetic because everyone sees the world. They see the order and the routine and rhythm of the world. So there's a, there's a great conversation. Man, how do, you, how do you look at and be overwhelmed at nature and not think there's something behind it? Um, how do you look at people who you believe are doing good, right? Regardless of your political bent, your, uh, your moral bent, like we live in a pretty altruistic society that says, um, hey, town got destroyed by a tornado. We got to go help. Why? That's what good people do. Um, Russia invaded Ukraine. We got to help. Why? It's what good people do. Um, the Red Cross, and I mean, the, the, the ability to immediately give aid when people are hurting. There, there is this ultra, there is this sense that it's like, hey, we should help. That's what good people do. Why? What, what's behind that? And if there's a creator God, what, what makes it so clear that some things are so right and some things are obviously so wrong? You know, we, we see mass shootings. We see the drug epidemic. Um, we see those stuck in and living in poverty. Uh, and we think that's wrong. Okay, well, what makes us think People have been designed for something better. Those are great yeah. um, apologetic theological conversations to have. Uh, you know, everyone knows they're going to die. Is there anything after death? What happens after that? What plans you make? Those are conversations anyone can have. And the kind of the one five seven, Jesus, Satan, and the supernatural actually provide a lot of context and comfort for those things that everyone sees and experiences thought it was good for people to figure out where they're at in that parable as well, which is important because you gave people an opportunity not only to receive Christ, but then if you're a believer to to be a farmer. There was just this great, I thought it was great groundwork for the message for people to understand how it works and where they fit. I needed to be in Guatemala the week before I gave that message. Yes, you did. And I didn't know that, but God knew that. And after just you and I talking, it may forever change and enhance and improve the way we disciple people. There's no, yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. Because of a coffee farmer named yeah. Rigoberto, Pastor Rigoberto um, in Peña Blanca, Guatemala. Yeah. Clearly, the tension in the message uh-huh. came when you quoted Matthew thirteen forty one. Yeah. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, uh, out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do, do evil. Yep. Talk about the tension of this verse and why we must face it uh, with hope and purpose. Well, the tension of it is we really, really want it to happen without impacting anyone that we really love. Yeah. And that cannot happen unless everyone we know has allowed their sin to be punished in Jesus rather than in them. So there's tremendous hope because sin and evil must be judged and we want it to be judged 
and Jesus has judged it and says, you can use mine if you want. So for us, tremendous hope, tremendous comfort. It has been judged and one day will forever be judged. The tension, the pain point is, but what about all the people in our life right now who are causing pain and brokenness? A lot of researchers and counselors would probably tell you people who cause pain and brokenness have experienced a lot of pain and brokenness. How do we bring them to Jesus so they both receive healing and forgiveness so that they don't have to be rejected? And that really is what ties the message together, right? So we started with, we want this series to take us behind the veil. We walk by faith and not by sight. Um, but, you know, if we were to, to finish that, so we walk by faith and not by sight because we know that um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we know that one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ like that. So that, that fills in a lot of that. So verse 11 then says, knowing that, knowing that we walk by faith and not sight because we are spiritual beings, not physical beings, knowing that we will die, knowing that we'll stand before Jesus. Because we know all that, we persuade men to be right with Jesus because he's the only way that they won't be rejected spiritually. And like I said in in today's message, it's so easy to, to look at someone who has so little and to say Jesus offers so much. And it's so hard to look at someone who has so much and say, it appears that Jesus offers so little. That's only if we're living in the physical realm in this life. When we get into the spiritual realm in the next life, Jesus is the only one who offers the only thing that we need not to be rejected by God. So tremendous hope that it has been accomplished, and it will, it's been accomplished for us if we'll receive it. Yeah. It will one day be accomplished around us when, when Jesus comes uh, in his kingdom. But I think we we got to make sure we can take as many as as we know and love with us, or at least present the opportunity to them, so before they are rejected by God, they have a chance to receive relationship with God. Yeah, the Bible ends with, come Lord Jesus, right? We all can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. But the tension is, yeah. well, wait, wait. But not, not yet, yeah. But not yet, because yeah. i got this loved one or this Uncle Tim, friend. Aunt Nancy, yeah, yeah. What, what? yes. Whoever yeah. It, it, it's, it's interesting that these words, uh, these weeds... Yeah, look, quote yeah. unquote, so much like the real thing, like mm-hmm. wheat, but they're not. Evidenced by no production of grain. Um, this is true in Jesus' time, and it's true now. Um, this is not an easily answered question, but why do you think there are so many people who look like Christians but are not? So I think part of that is the work of the enemy. So the Apostle Paul says that Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. And Jesus would say at the end of Matthew chapter 7, there's a lot of people who say they follow me who really don't. Um, yeah, get so away I, from me. I never knew you. Yeah, so so I, th- I think part of it is spiritual warfare, Satan trying to cloak what the real thing is and what the real thing is not. I also think a big part of it is the motivation to receive everything that Jesus offers without the surrenders of in- surrender of anything Jesus requires. Yeah. Let me say it again. Um People want, people want the offer of everything that Jesus promises yeah. without the surrender of anything that Jesus requires. Yep. Deny yourself, pick up yeah, your cross. Yeah, so I, so I think there is a—man, if, if I could just kind of keep the door cracked open, maybe some of these blessings will flow my way without having to meet any of the requirements— um, and, and I think the way of Jesus is just the most attractive, fulfilling way of life to live. Serving others, um, being a servant leader, 
um, being submissive in relationships so that you serve one another more than you ask them to serve you, living for others and not for yourself, living in spiritual community. Like there's just so much um, about Christianity that is attractive for life. But there also is the requirement of take up your cross and follow me and let, and let me be your leader. Um, Jesus is. Je- Jesus has. Let me say that. Jesus has tremendous content that can be used as a life coach. But that's not all that he requires and asks for. He never offers us the ability for him to be our life coach without our Lord. And I think a lot of people like the Thomas Jefferson Bible, you know, that's known throughout history. Jefferson cut out all the parts of the Bible he didn't like. He kept the rest of it. And there's a lot of good in there. But Jesus never offers, hey, let me be your advisor. Let me be your life coach. His only offer is, is Lord. So I think because of the, because of the culture we live in um, and because of so many attractive parts of Jesus' promises and teachings that, that people lean in for a season, uh, but they, they never truly surrender or, or let him be in charge. Uh, I think part of that is Satan saying to Adam and Eve, um, yeah, you need what God requires, and you also need what's off limits. He didn't, didn't make God look like the bad guy. He just kind of questioned some of the things that he had required. So Satan's okay with us being one foot in, one foot out, because he knows that, like Jesus said, like the one foot out, if you can't get in, cut it off, because um, you'd rather have, uh, like, you you got you to be all in or all out, and you don't want one foot out to have your whole body eventually be thrown into hell. Um, would be the words of Jesus when he talked about your eyes and your hands and the things that cause you to sin. Yeah, and it's not like the game of Monopoly where I, I've got that get-out-of-jail-free right. card in my back pocket that only right. one day helped right. to show. Right. Yeah, it's a life of surrender and, right. and repentance. Kind of leads into the next question. You talk about the parable application at the end of your message, and you make this statement. Not everybody grows at the same rate or mm-hmm. has grown up yet. Mm-hmm. Some without fruit are actually wheat. <laughs> just not mature. This was a really powerful part of the message, and I thought this tied into one of your reflection questions that relates to discipleship. If you're listening and don't realize, Pastor Christian writes verses and reflection questions that you can study and reflect on every week. The key verse was Matthew 13, 28, 29. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them, and so your key reflection was: uh, it, it is possible to think that people in our lives are not authentic Christians because we cannot see their fruit. Right. But their reality is that they just need more growth. Who falls into this category that you can begin to disciple and develop rather than giving up on? And so, yeah. what would you challenge our audience to do in light of this thought? So C.S. Lewis said that when he gets to heaven. He thinks he's going to have three realizations. Um, One, he's going to be surprised at who is actually there. He's going to be surprised at who's not there that he thought would be there. So he's going to be surprised at who's there that he thought wouldn't be. He's going to be surprised at who's not there that he thought would be. And that he would be overwhelmed and surprised that he would be there, that God would allow him to be in. So we read today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul said, on the foundation of Jesus, you've got to build worthwhile things. And if you don't, you'll enter eternity without any rewards, and literally you'll smell like smoke. Um, 
So the week after Easter, I, I was burning some brush in my backyard. Um, and I got a little too close to the fire and nearly burned my face off. You can probably still see this eyelid here. I got so close to the fire that like, I burned my oh, eyelids. Dude. They swelled up and almost swelled, my, they almost swelled my eye shut for a day. Danielle was out of town, so nobody knew. I just went in and kind of watched the Royals game like this for a day. Um, and then eventually the scabs and the, the scabs went away because I'm just an idiot, right? Um, I was so close to the fire. Like I smelled like smoke for three days. Like my body just smelled like burning flesh. Smoke. Yeah, smelled like, smelled like smoke for three days. Paul said there's going to be some people who smell like smoke in heaven because they, other than Jesus, they just didn't have any fruit or any value or anything that they built on top of their life. And I think we'll be surprised to see some of those. What? You were really a Christian? I never would have guessed. Well, no, it wasn't your job to guess or to evaluate. It was your, it was your job to, to help farm. Um, Jesus is the only one who knows that, and he's the only one who harvests that. Like, that, that was not your job. So I think in light of First Corinthians 3, I think in light of C.S. Lewis' wonderful quote, I think in light of what we learned, I think, I, I think we, we have to, for people who do acknowledge Jesus, we've got to hold them accountable. We've got to, we've got to Matthew 18, 18 them, which means when we see them having the exact opposite of spiritual fruit, we've got to talk to them rather than about them. And we just have to try to start this discipleship journey with people. We have to hope for the best. We have to pray for the best. And we, ha- we have to, uh, if they won't pull the own thorns in their life that are choking them out, if they won't dig deep into the rocky soil to kind of get settled, if they won't turn over the hard paths in their heart, we got to try to help them. We got to try to help them with that. And we've got to just, with everything in us, try to trust and believe people in spiritual community. So I'm not talking about like, the, the lost world in general who rejects Jesus. I'm talking about people sitting in church claiming Jesus but not living like it. Mm-hmm. we got to figure out how to help them dig a little deeper and, and bear some fruit with the desire that, man, like I haven't seen a single, to take today's message, I haven't seen a single coffee bean on you ever. However, I hope you show up smelling like smoke because God is so gracious that he has birthed his son in you, even though the world has never seen that. Um, You won't have any rewards to return to Jesus, but you will have the reward of your salvation, which is eternal life, not because you're faithful, but but because God is. Yeah. So last question we always have along the lines of the leadership track, you even referenced this in your message, where we want to take some things that we've earned, kind of like, or learned, like Sonny learning how to better disciple people, now wanting to pour into My favorite conversation from Easter weekend. Yeah. Yep. So what from this message would you want someone to share with someone else? I, th- I think it's be a farmer, not a fruit inspector. Um, learn how to evaluate fruit, but for the purpose of farming, not harvesting. Yeah. We're not the harvesters. We're the farmers. So I, I think every Christian ought to learn how to examine themselves, like Paul says to the church in Corinth, and we ought to learn how to examine others. But for the purpose of farming, not harvesting. For the purpose of developing, not disqualifying. And we got to try to walk with people who haven't stuck the first sprout of spiritual fruit in year one of our coffee plantation. But the seed is there. 
Yeah. We just got to keep working that soil. Yeah. That's 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 what I would encourage people to do. Find someone that you've probably given up on. Put away the checklist. Pick up the shovel. And go, go see if you can't farm a little bit, if they will allow you. So many great truths in this message. If you haven't watched it, I would encourage you to go back and watch this message. Uh, I'm going to watch it again, and I'm going to share it with others. Not just for the people who I think you need to hear this, but there's just, right. it's just such a great discipling tool for people. Because you're right, I think at the end of the message you said, this is the heart of what I want for our right. church. Right. I want us to be a church that, that wants to farm all these seeds that God's been sowing in the yeah. hearts of people, right? We yeah. always wonder. Thousands of people over the years that have made yeah. decisions for Christ, yeah. which which I know we probably have people in all kinds of different levels no of that growth. Yep. Uh, a bunch who are still, we're just still trying to wrap the tape yep. around the soil, yep. trying yep. to help them, but, but we will never stop trying. And uh, if we can raise up a bunch more farmers, it'll help. Yes, no doubt. Pastor Christian, thank you. What a great message. What a great weekend. Um, thank you for listening today. Again, if you haven't watched the message, I encourage you to do so. If you're here in town, come and see us in person. We'd love for you to be a part of uh, what's happening here at Journey. God's God's moving. Um, our hope is if you have a question or need us, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.